Welcome to the Slow the Fuck Down Show. I'm sensuality coach Casey Hall. And I'm trauma healer Elizabeth Menzel. Each episode, we choose a theme and put together different stories, skills, and songs on that theme to help you slow down and lift you up throughout the pandemic and beyond. On today's episode, slow the fuck down with denying you need any help. Get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, and soak in our soothing support. By the end of the show, you'll walk away with practical skills that actually work. So asking for help is hard. It can feel scary and uncomfortable because most of us simply weren't taught how to do it. Or we were taught that asking for help makes us weak or we should just tough it out. Elizabeth and I have tried the I don't need help route many, many times. And spoiler alert, it doesn't work. We weren't born into a world with other people to do everything by ourselves. Elizabeth has this quote on her wall that says, If you were meant to go it alone, there would only be one person walking the planet. And in 2018, it was reported that one in five, some 50 million adults were experiencing some form of mental illness, yet slightly less than half received treatment. Yeah, there is such a bad stigma about mental health in this country that people just don't get the help they need. Most people don't even know that they qualify for needing help, so they don't even think to ask for it, let alone get professional support. And fast forward to 2020 and COVID, the pandemic has turned every conceivable stressor in our lives up many notches, which makes now a very good time to get support. If you're someone who has trouble asking for help or maybe doesn't know how to do it, we dedicate today's show to you. In my previous job, I tested people for anxiety, stress, and depression. And even when those test results showed that they qualified for needing mental health support, Many people still didn't believe it was true. Exactly. I mean, listen, I suffered with anxiety and depression since my childhood, and it never occurred to me in my adult life to hire a therapist. You know, in my backstory, I was left alone a lot as a child, and I was always told to just figure it out on my own. I was never taught how to do things, so it just never occurred to me to ask for help. And a genius part of the Mm. training at the Barbara Brennan School of Healing was that it was mandatory for all students to have a minimum of 18 psychotherapy sessions per year, plus group therapy from a doctorate of psychology during class every time that we met. And we met five weeks out of the year. And I was terrified to see a therapist because I was scared of what I would find (laughs) inside of me. I tried to be this really good person, but there was a part of me that believed that I was bad on the inside. And I thought therapy would discover how horrible I was. And then that would unleash all of my badness. And then my badness would wipe out the entire human population. ridiculous, but that's how scared I was. So that's one of the reasons that people don't get the professional mental help that they need, because they're, they're scared of what they'll discover. And another reason why you might not get the help you need is that people tend to downplay their symptoms, just like the people that you interviewed, Casey, and was like, oh, here, you can get free mental health support. And they were like, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And part of that is because we all see that other people have it worse than us. 
And we figure that, hey, we don't need mental health. We don't deserve the support. Other people need it more than we do. But this is the thing. Most people don't know that they're traumatized. You might not know that you have trauma because it's common to think that trauma only comes from big, horrific events. Rape, being a soldier, getting abused. But trauma also happens from an accumulation of stress. The stress chemicals get stuck in the soft tissue of your body, creating tension and chronic pain. They also get wired into brain function and it plays out in your negative thoughts and painful emotions. Then we think, say, and do things that hurt ourselves or hurt someone else. Thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to be happy. I'm the worst. He'd be better off without me. I can't have nice things. I can't have what I want. These are all thoughts that used to go through my head every single day. And I felt trapped in a cycle of physical and emotional pain. And maybe you do too. So we invite you to slow the F down with thinking that you don't need any help. If you are like every human I have ever met, then there is something that you struggle with in life. And there's other things that you're really great at and that you can do really well. But with those things that you struggle with, you deserve to get support and guidance to figure it out and to feel really strong and good in every area of your life. Well said. And, you know, I totally get denying that you need any help. One of the reasons I didn't think I qualified for needing help, like many of my customers in my previous job, was because I was still able to maintain a quote-unquote normal life despite my trauma symptoms. Um, In my mid-20s, I started having these disorienting flashbacks of childhood abuse that I had totally repressed. And I had no idea what was happening when they came on. So I remember thinking like I was losing my mind. And I couldn't understand how something that happened so long ago felt like I was experiencing it right now. And so I didn't register it as trauma because I didn't know what trauma was. So I just kept living my life, working a 60-hour work week, suffering through these flashbacks, still not realizing that I needed help. And it was the same thing in relationships, right? I I would sometimes freeze and shut down during intimacy. But since the rest of the relationship was fine, I was like, oh, that's just normal. I'm still normal. So I don't qualify as needing help. And I normalized the discomfort because I didn't realize that that freeze and shutdown was actually trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can feel normal and you still might really benefit and feel a whole lot better if you got help. Yeah, I can understand that feeling normal and not realizing that I was traumatized. You know, as a kid, I always had trouble focusing. And by my teens, I was having full on panic attacks, but I wouldn't tell anyone about it. I'd just push it way down deep inside, ignore them and move on. So I was highly functional, too. And to everyone else, I looked like this fun, fearless, fabulous party girl. But on the inside, I always felt afraid, like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I was jumpy and I felt scared all the time. My head was always on a swivel, which that part's kind of normal being a woman in our society, because it's not super safe for women out there. But I just remember that the primary sensation I had on the inside was fear. Oh, yes, I can relate to the jumpy feeling. Um, At least a few times a week, my partner, 
whom I live with in the same house will scare the shit out of me. (laughs) Not even trying. Literally, we'll just walk around the corner and see him and just become startled and do the the startled cat reaction where I just like jump up and sometimes fall down and freeze. And we laugh about it. And it's something that like, you know, we can we can play with and have fun. But that is a trauma response. Yeah, I have it too. And you know, I used to have it a lot more than I have it now. And that's something that the nonlinear movement method has really sincerely helped me with. But it still happens to me once in a while. And it drives my partner crazy, too, because he's like, we've been living together for 12 years. I live in the same house as you. <laughs> but yeah, it's not about him. It's about it's about me and that really acute startle response. It reminds me of like the the startled cat video where like the cat gets freaked out and it goes up on its two legs and then it just kind of walks real weird out. Oh my God, we're, we're going to have to post that on our Slow the F Down show Facebook page because it's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, we'll put it up there for you. So another thing that would happen to me is that for much of my life, I'd sleep 12 to 15 hours at a time. And the other part of the time, I didn't sleep for days. This anxiety depression cycle from the trauma was causing that, but I didn't know that that's what it was. So I'd just like numb that out, ignore it and keep living my life. That numbing out response was actually what got me into becoming a sensuality coach. Mm, Yeah, I became a trauma healer because of my trauma and pain. So I get that. I think a lot of healers become healers because of their own experience and their own pain and from healing their own pain. So what happened with you? I found myself in relationships just feeling actually numb during moments of intimacy. Like I couldn't feel my body. I felt like I was like living in this shell of a person. And I thought that I was broken and there was nothing neurologically wrong with me. It was just a trauma response. And I had to learn how to feel safe again inside my body and then gently invite sensation back. So it was kind of a rebuilding of trust with myself so that I could start to in, in na- do what I do now, which is love sensation. I love touch. I love how my body feels. Yeah. So safely resensitizing your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a big part of healing trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I put up with an emotionally abusive husband and then I would blame myself for the abuse. And when I was thinking about this, I remember that I would actually blank out about the shit he used to do to me. Like I would tell a girlfriend about what he did, like not talking to me for weeks or waking up and he'd be gone and I'd be locked inside because the crazy guard dog was roaming the grounds. And so I couldn't leave the house. And then I talked to my girlfriend again a few weeks later. She would recap some of the things that I had told her and I'd be like, oh, I forgot about that. So I'd literally like numb and and push down the memory of all of these crazy things he was doing to me. And I would just keep coping and ignoring how horrible he was. So it's like I was editing out the abuse. And, you know, during that time, I kept getting more and more scared about my future and scared about the world around me. And everywhere I looked, I only saw the negative. And I judged positivity and happy people as naive and stupid. And it got harder and harder for me to feel positive 
more than a few seconds at a time. And I've since learned that over time, we actually lose the ability to think and feel good as the, as the trauma accumulates in our system. We lose the ability to create oxytocin, one of the feel-good hormones. And that symptom of trauma is a big thing that I address on my happiness training programs, being able to gradually sustain feeling better for longer and longer periods of time and create those feel-good hormones more abundantly. And now I think that happy people are not naive. (laughs) I mean, for some people, I think it might come naturally to feel good. But in my case, and a lot of the people I work with, it is really great to know that feeling good is a skill that we can learn. And I think that's pretty cool. And thank you for sharing that, too, because I think it really helps normalize some of the symptoms that we experience when we have trauma that people may have not thought about. Yeah. So post-traumatic stress disorder is a more severe form and a longer duration of the same set of symptoms as post-traumatic stress. I'll just quickly run down this list of symptoms and slow down fans, be honest with yourself and see if any of these symptoms have persisted for you for at least a month and are causing you to stress. Here we go. Flashbacks. Nightmares distressing and intense memories, distress or physical reactions after being exposed to reminders. These are known as triggers. Blaming yourself for the trauma. Decreased interest in things that were once enjoyable to you. Negative feelings about yourself and the world. Inability to remember the trauma clearly. A difficulty and feeling positive. Feelings of isolation. Avoiding external reminders of what happened. Avoiding trauma-related thoughts or emotions, sometimes through the use of drugs or alcohol. Aggression or irritability. Hypervigilance and hyperawareness. Difficulty concentrating difficulty sleeping, heightened startle response, engaging in destructive or risky behaviors, not wanting to think about it or talk about it, and thinking or saying things like, I just can't get it out of my head. I think I'm losing my mind. I keep having panic attacks. I feel like it just keeps happening over and over again. I feel numb. I can't even remember what happened. So if you could check off some of the things on that list for yourself, we have a resource up for you on our Slow the F Down Show Facebook page where you can get the right kind of help for you. It's called Where Are You on the Healing Spectrum? So you can see that and really get yourself the right kind of help. One thing I have so much compassion for is when I hear people say, I don't know why I'm upset. It didn't even happen to me. You might think you can't be traumatized because the harmful event didn't happen to you, but it doesn't have to happen to you. You could have witnessed it or something bad could have happened to a loved one. You can still get traumatized by that. It's called secondary trauma. Secondary trauma is often experienced by people who witness the abuse of a sibling, first responders, firefighters, medics, crisis counselors. Uh, A lot of police officers report that they have secondary trauma, but everyday people get it too. 
Maybe someone you love has COVID-19 or got evicted from the wildfires. Maybe they can't pay their bills because they lost their business due to COVID. All of these things could be stressing you out. And if you don't get help dealing with that stress quickly, it can turn into trauma and be as bad as if it directly happened to you. Exactly. So even if the bad thing didn't happen to you, you still are going to need help dealing with that trauma. And you know, that's why I make my nonlinear movement method classes free for essential workers is because pre-COVID, they were already experiencing a high level of secondary trauma, and now it's just gotten out of control. So that class is the second Saturday of every month. You can just go to the happywomanacademy.com and click on the hot pink button, and it'll take you to the nonlinear movement method page where you can read all about it for yourself and for essential workers. It's like a shower for your cells. It gets the stress chemicals cleaned from out of you on the inside. And it's really important that we all cleanse ourselves of this trauma regularly, or it builds up and becomes post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress disorder. So this is interesting, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Um, Because people are experiencing increased levels of stress, I'm actually seeing less and less victim shaming. But I still wanted to highlight it uh, in hopes to offer a kinder perspective on the topic if you are finding yourself saying some things that might fall into that victim shaming category. So an example of this is when someone says, well, only crazy people need a psychologist, or it happened five years ago, you need to get over it already. Oh my God, when I finally confronted my father about his years of abuse of me as a child, he literally said to me, that happened to you as a kid. Why aren't you over it already? And it was so like utterly dismissive of my pain. My father would often lecture my brother and I about responsibility. This was one of his biggest topics of lecture about being responsible and taking responsibility. But he never took responsibility as my father. He was MIA for most of my childhood. I rarely ever saw him. And so there was this cognitive dissonance around responsibility. And so I became overly responsible and I took everything onto my own shoulders. And people would always tell me or my mom like, oh, she's so grown up. And I felt like I had to be strong and I had to do it all myself. And the help wasn't there for me anyway. So going it alone was really a huge burden for me. And I had so much shame around asking for help that, like I said earlier, it just didn't even occur to me to do it. And I come from a long lineage of women who also had a huge burden of family and financial responsibilities on their shoulders too. And they wouldn't ask for help either. Like I would be alone after school every day. My mom didn't think to go to the neighbors like, hey, let's have the kids go to one of the houses every day after school. Like it didn't occur to her either to ask for help. So this victim shaming and shaming around asking for help to me are all parts of toxic masculinity and this patriarchy that I'm trying to dissolve one happy woman at a time. (laughs) in, In feminine energy, it's all about collaboration, support, doing things with others, connection, relationship, nurturance. 
all of those things that are belittled and paid less for in our society are those feminine energy qualities. And that gets placed onto women, but it's not just women. And part of toxic masculinity is all of the harm done to men as well as women for not being able to embrace these beautiful feminine energy qualities and see them as valuable. So then how it plays out is women are less valuable. But really what's being talked about is those feminine energy qualities are less valued in our society. Yeah, I really love how you just described how both men and women are affected by that. Yeah, I think we tend to forget as women that men also suffer from toxic masculinity. And that women can be the perpetrators as well to putting other women down. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the ways women secretly support the patriarchy is to be in competition with other women and put other women down. One of the ways that I realized I did this was growing up, I was a tomboy, right? So at all brothers and boys around me all the time. And I used to love saying, I'm not like other women. I'm not like other girls. And it was like a compliment to receive it. And it was a bragging right to say it. And then as I got older, and I started getting into this work and exploring my own sensuality and doing women's circles, I realized that the phrase, I'm not like other women, implies that there is something innately wrong with being a woman. Right. That being a woman is less than. Right. Right. And so it's like you don't even realize how these beliefs that you're indoctrinated into can feed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And as anyone who's been oppressed in any way, whether it's for your skin color, or your religion, or where you come from, or your sex can say is that when you get put down or seen as less than over and over and over, what can happen, and I know this happened for me, is that I just feel helpless. I feel like I can't win. I'm never going to win. And then you can give up trying. We get in this cycle of abdicating our own power, abdicating our own authority, abdicating our own voice. We lose agency over our own self. And, you know, I later learned that that's called learned helplessness and happens uh, when people have been traumatized or abused either directly or by society, just constantly getting beaten down and told you're less than in some way over and over again. And one of the things I want to make really clear in this episode about learning to ask for help is that when you get strongly reconnected to your own sense of power and agency, that you are able to stand strong on your own two feet and do it alone. And you are able to ask for help, but you have the ability to discern when to go it alone and when to ask for help and that you get nimble and that you can do both. The healthy feminine energy in all of us asks for help and the healthy masculine energy in all of us strikes out and knows when it's appropriate to go alone. And sometimes you can tell that on your own and sometimes you need reflection for that too. And that's when a great healing professional can come in and help you see where you can go it alone and where you can ask for help and receive it. You know, that's why the best healing professionals have their own healers and coaches and therapists. That's for sure. You know, it's why you can't coach 
your own relationship. You have to have a relationship coach, even as a sensuality coach, certified in love, sex, and relationship coaching. I can't coach my own relationship because I'm too close to it. Absolutely. The eye can't see the eye. You can't see the picture when you're standing inside the frame. You need somebody else to witness you and see you and be able to discern what's going on. And you know, this is what's really sad in my case. I was actually receiving professional help for 10 years with therapy and healings. At one point, I was seeing five therapists at a time because I felt like I was losing my mind when I was with my narcissistic husband. And I was making some progress, but none of the therapists I was seeing were trauma-informed. So they didn't get to the root of the issues that I was facing. And I could heal to a point, but I didn't get as far as I've now come. And if I could do it all over again, I would start at the very beginning with a somatic experiencing therapist. For me, that was a huge turning point in my own healing because it gets to the root of your trauma, helps you get it out of your body and get strongly centered back in your power and strength. I love that. And I hope that for our slowdown fans listening, that that is something that they take away. Because I feel like that was a huge turning point in your own healing journey. Massive. Yeah. So maybe some of you are getting help but not quite moving forward on your healing path. You've got to get the right help for where you are at from the right person. And once again, we have a resource on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show, where you can locate where you are in the healing spectrum and get the right kind of help for yourself. Everybody needs and deserves help. And it is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It is a sign of strength to ask for help. It's been proven that the relationship between the coach and the client is a key factor in the effectiveness of treatment. So you're allowed to shop around for a coach or a therapist. You can talk to every coach or therapist to see whether they feel like it's a good match or not. I wish I had known that I was allowed to shop around for my therapist and that I could have had a consultation first because I remember my very first therapist wasn't a great match for me. And I really didn't like going to see him. And I wasted a lot of money and aggravation. And I became more and more resistant to going to therapy. And then finally, I switched therapists. And we really clicked. And it was awesome. And I felt so seen and supported and helped. So I really encourage everyone, whether it's a coach or a therapist, to get on the phone with them first, have a consultation, and make sure that they're the right match for you. Elizabeth and I offer a free consultation to see if we're a good fit or not. Just go to slowthefdownshow.com and set up your appointment. We've covered why asking for help can be so hard, why it's important to ask for help, how you can get the right kind of help. But why go through all of that? Because on the other side of getting the help that you need is freedom. I've been doing self-development work for over 17 years. And no matter how scary or challenging it's been to get help, it's always been worth it. Absolutely. I shared at the beginning how terrified I was to go to therapy, but it was 100% worth facing my fears because now I feel stable, calm, and happy most of the time. And Casey and I know that you can feel stable, calm, happy, and healthy too. Next up, slow down skills right after commercial break and word from our sponsor. 
Listen up, Slowdown fans. On September 30th, Casey and I are offering a free virtual neural-based embodiment training. So no matter what 2020 throws at you, you can feel empowered anyway. This class cuts out the bullshit and gives you what actually works. Yeah, no fluff. You're going to learn a practical system that is easy for you to digest and use. And you'll walk away with five steps based in neuroscience that will help you navigate the overwhelm, will help you get yourself back to center fast, anytime, anywhere. Class is September 30th, and it is free. Go sign up at thehappywomanacademy.com slash empowered anyway. Go sign up now. Hi, Slowdown fans. It's me, Mother Nature. I often hear humans say, ah, this is exactly what I needed after spending some time with me. I'm one of the many supports you have available to you. So keep hanging out with me, get the extra help you need, and we'll get through this together. And now for your slowdown skills. We have three great slowdown skills for you today. This first one is an inner world action. Repeat after me, I deserve help, and I let myself have support. Good job, Slowdown fans. Number two is an outer world action. Go to our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show, and read the guide, Where Are You on the Healing Spectrum, and find the support you need right now. And while you're there, you can click like to stay up to speed with the latest and greatest from the Slow the F Down Show. Slow down skill number three is to develop a wellness team. So my wellness team, I have a somatic therapist, a relationship coach, an intuition development coach. I have a trauma awareness women's group. I have a social red tent women's group. And I don't use these all at once, but I have them established so that when I need them, I can access them. Yeah. And I call my group a healing team. I've got my metabolism coach, my Z health tutor, my somatic experiencing therapist, my women's group, And pre-COVID, I had my massage therapist and my hairstylist on my healing team. So we strongly encourage you to set up your own healing team. And especially you coaches, healers, and therapists out there. You having a high level of care is so important. So your well doesn't run dry and you can help others. And having supportive friends and a supportive spouse is so important but they aren't equipped to do what a healing professional can do. So while they are wonderful to have as a support, they do not replace professional support. And now for the Slow the F Down playlist. Casey, what's your slowdown song this week? My slowdown song is Bill Weathers' Lean on Me. Oh, that's such a good one. Oh, everybody go listen to that. It'll open your heart up and you'll be so willing to ask for support. Um, so my slowdown song of this week is I'll Stand By You by The Pretenders. It is anthem rock at its soppiest and it is fabulous. Our slowdown fan Kat submitted her favorite slowdown song and it's by 
War Paint from their album Exquisite Corpse, and the song is Billie Holiday, and it is a cool AF slowdown song that we know you are going to love. It's on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show. Casey, we've reached the end of our show. What was your favorite part of today's show? My favorite part of the show, well, I have two. The first one is just how we laugh in the creation of this so much, how we can just laugh at ourselves and support one another as we're recording these. And the other one was how we both shared our stories around trauma. You shared a lot of stories today. Yeah. My favorite part of today's show is when you brought in I'm Not Like Other Women and how women can put each other down and be hard on each other. Like I just felt the, the pain of that in my heart and how grateful I was that you were bringing that into the conversation. Yeah, the sisterhood wound is a deep one. Oh, woman, I am glad we are here doing the work we do and helping uplift humans on the very short, precious time we have on this earth. On our next episode, slow the fuck down with abandoning your power. Thank you for slowing down with us and enjoy your slowdown. Remember, go to slowthefdownshow.com to schedule your free consultation with Casey or Elizabeth. Okay.